You're listening to the Today in the Word radio podcast. This week, we bring you five messages J. Oswald Sanders presented at MBI Missions Conference 1987. J. Oswald Sanders was general director of Overseas Missionary Fellowship and the author of more than 40 books on the Christian life. Now, here is J. Oswald Sanders on Today in the Word radio. My theme tonight is the crisis of change. The crisis of change. In the midst of a recital of the groups who were loyal to King David and fought alongside him, one group was singled out for special mention. The statement about them was compressed into only 13 words, and yet they were very significant words and summarized the contribution which this group of people made to their nation in time of crisis. You'll find the verse in 1 Chronicles chapter 12 and verse 32. Men of Issachar who understood the times and knew what Israel should do. Men of Issachar who understood the times and knew what Israel should do. They knew where they were in history, and they knew what course they ought to take and their course their nation should take in the present crisis. They discerned the tendency of current events at their time, and they correctly assessed the temper of their nation. And this is the kind of people, I believe, that are needed in the present crisis of mission, because make no mistake, missions is in crisis at this present time, as your president has mentioned to you this evening. But this group of men discerned the tendency of current events. They were sensitive to the trends of their day, and they were responsive to the challenge of the future. I believe this is what we should be. We should be sensitive to the changes that are taking place in mission, and we should also be responsive to the challenge of the future, because the future is indeed challenging. It's a wonderful challenge. It's a glorious possibility, but it means that we must be responsive. Now, where are we in history today? The events in the world today move at such speed that it's very difficult to keep up with them. In my boyhood, a generation was 30 years. Do you know how long a generation is today? Five years. It's been compressed. And everything, well, much more will happen in five years than happened in 30 years in my day. The days are quite different. And we've got to keep alert and keep informed or we'll be living in a missionary thought world that is divorced from reality. Thank God there is no change whatever in the everlasting gospel. It is the same as it ever was. It is just as powerful and just as effective as it ever was. But the context in which the same message is preached is entirely different from it was even 20 years ago. 
History is not moving along purposefully. God has got his plan and he's moving toward that plan. It is moving towards climax and to consummation, the Lord said. We are going to come to a climax. You know, termination, we can reach an end without having achieved anything. But consummation is quite different. with, With consummation, we have reached an end, but we have achieved that which we set out to do. And we are moving forward to consummation, to the coronation of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's what we're looking forward to and what we're working forward to. And it's to this we are to throw ourselves into without any uh, reservation whatsoever. In this message, I want to bring before you areas of change which radically affect our work in mission. You think, for example, of the change communism has brought. Communism, which began in 1917, has now resulted in one-third of the world being closed to traditional missionary work. That doesn't mean to say nothing can be done. But one-third of the world is closed to traditional missionary work. And that is a tremendous change. On the other hand, unprecedented and incredible opportunities have opened in countries which formerly were under Roman Catholic domination. Marvelous things are happening. The Philippines is said to be the second most responsive country in the world to the gospel. And it was a country that was dominated by Roman Catholicism. There's been no change as far as one can see in the heart of the Roman Catholic Church, but there's been tremendous change in the circumference, and God is doing very great things in that way. When I was in Papua New Guinea, we had on our staff a Ghanaian evangelist, Isaac Ababio, and he had a remarkable gift of evangelism. Wherever he went, souls were saved. And he was invited by the nuns and priests of a Roman Catholic school with 500 boys in it, to go and have an evangelistic campaign and they asked him to give an invitation to receive Christ. Well, he went and he preached the gospel and 200 of those boys made profession of faith and they they told him to have an after meeting and to counsel them. And then they left the school open for missionaries to come and follow up with the gospel message. Whoever would have dreamed that that could have happened 20 years ago This is one of the blessed changes that is taking place. But I want to speak of other things. The first change is in universal political and social unrest. Our Lord made this prediction, Luke 21, 25. On the earth there will be anguish and perplexity at the roaring and tossing of the sea. Men will faint from terror, apprehensive of what is coming on the world. I think this this, uh, prediction of our Lord is being fulfilled very, very rapidly today. There is a great fear over the whole of the world. The early part of this century was the most peaceful era 
But the nuclear threat now looms very plausibly, especially as less responsible nations are getting the ability to produce nuclear weapons. The Middle East is the focus of 12 warring Arab nations who can't agree. We know what's going on in the Gulf just now. New nations have been formed in different parts of the world. 1950, there were four independent nations in Africa. Today, there are 45. 45 independent nations. They thought that when they got independence, uh, that utopia had arrived. Instead of that, they found themselves involved in war and, uh, and revolution and so on. Their economies have collapsed in many cases and the country is in great turmoil. And that has made a totally different missionary situation in Africa. Islam is on the march, led by two fanatical men. You know, Islam has almost caught up with Christianity. And that's something that is very serious from the missionary point of view and something that calls for a dedication on the part of young men and young women to go and take the gospel to the people in Muslim lands. In former days, missionaries could see 30 years ahead of tenure. Uh, I conducted a geriatric conference in uh, Canada with 30 of our old China inland missionaries. They were, we, not they, we were all between 70 and 90. But we were a very happy group, I can tell you. But uh, we got each of the missionaries to put down on paper how long they had spent on the field. And uh, when we added it up, it added up to 969. I think Methuselah would have been interested. <laughs> but, but that worked out that each one of those missionaries had had an average of 30 years on the mission field. I wonder what mission field you could say and look forward with confidence to saying we can have 30 years in that country. There's been a tremendous change. And now there is no real security of tenure. Anything can happen any time. Does that mean, oh, well, if that's the case, what's the point in going? What did our Lord say when he sent out the 70? He said, if they persecute you in one city, go home. Don't you recognize the verse? He said, if they persecute you in one city, flee to another. And I believe that that's going to be perhaps more the pattern in missions than we have seen up till now. We've seen missionaries put out of India. The Bible and Missionary Fellowship didn't go home because they were put out of India. They opened new fields and they went to other places. They did what the Lord said. And I believe that even although we cannot promise anyone long tenure that the command to go and make disciples all nations to, of all nations is still valid and still a command that we must obey, even if there is no security. In mission work, our only security is in God himself. 
And if we're looking for security from cradle to the grave, then don't think of missions. You say, oh, you're trying to discourage us from going. No, I'm just wanting to be realistic. This is something that is happening. There are quite a number of countries in which the doors are wide open, and uh, that's true. But all the same, there is a change coming. Then there is universal economic instability. I wonder what nation has got no economic problems. Do you remember? Well, younger people won't remember, but we went to bed one night and the economic thing seemed all right. And we woke up the next morning and found that the finance of the world was in Arab hands and the world has never recovered. It happened overnight. I was in Indonesia a little while ago and we were conducting a conference in a very lovely conference center belonging to the Minister of Finance, who's a Christian man. I met him there. But while I was there, uh, this Minister of Finance quietly announced over TV that next morning the Indonesian currency would be devalued by 45%. Imagine waking up in the morning and finding that half your money had gone. This is, this, this is what the ch- kind of change that's taking place in different parts of the world. On the home front, many nations have got tremendous deficits in their accounts, and your country is one of them. My country is another, and many other countries are the same. Economic instability is the pattern in the world today. The day of cheap missions is over forever. We used to have certain countries where it was comparatively cheap to, to live, but there are very few of those now. And in many countries, the cost is tremendous. And yet that fact has not yet seeped through to many churches. And they don't realize that we are living in a different world financially from what we were even 10 years ago. Another change is the youthfulness of the world. When Uthant was Secretary General of the United Nations, he said, Asia is a continent grown phenomenally young, and so it is. The two uh, most populous nations in Asia, India and China, have great numbers of young people. In India, 40% are under 14 years of age. In China, 38% are under 15 years of age. In Latin America, 60% are under 21 years of age. And now there are more young people in the world than there are old people. For the first time, this is a young people's world. And that means that you young Christian people have the responsibility with others in other lands of getting the gospel out to half the people of the world. That's something that requires a new strategy so that we can reach these vast numbers of fine young men and fine young women. And then, of course, there's the vast increase in population. We've been hearing about this for years 
And we've got, we've developed quite, we're quite fatalistic about it. Oh, well, if that's so, it's all right. But it dawned on me a little while ago, very suddenly, what a tremendous change had taken place. I've been invited to speak at the Keswick Convention in England. And a few days before, Michael Griffiths, who succeeded me as general director of OMF, said to me, how long is it since you spoke at Keswick last? I thought back and I said, oh, 30 years. He hesitated. He said, do you know that since you last spoke at Keswick Convention, the population of the world has doubled? Just think of that. 30 years and the population of the world has doubled. And it's going to go on like that. The task, the the missionary task is growing with every day. And yet we don't seem to be able to catch up in missionary recruitment. The missionary force is totally inadequate to complete the job the Lord has given to us. And our strategy must be the massive helping and training of the national peoples insofar as we can do it. I spoke to one of the leaders of the Southeast Asia, and I I said to him, how do you see the future of missionaries in the world today? And he said, I think that in the future, the task of the missionaries will be less that of a performer and more that of a trainer. He said, as our churches mature, we will be able to do certain things We'll be able to carry on evangelism, but he said we, we desperately need people who can train us in the areas in which we're not uh, equipped. And that's a generalization, I know, but I think it's true that the, in the future there's going to be far more of the missionary being a catalyst, being a trainer, rather than doing the job himself. But of course, uh, if he can't do the job himself, he can't train anyone else to do it, can he? So we, we've got to recognize that fact. Another thing that is taking place is the rapid urbanization of the world. Evangelical missions in the first half of this century concentrated on reaching the unreached, especially in the jungle situations. Well, there are still many jungle situations in which the gospel needs to be preached. But jungle situations account for only two and one-half percent of the people in the world. The great concentrations now are in the big cities. In the year 1800, there were under 10 percent of people living in great cities. By 1987, there were more than 50 percent And the latest uh, projection I heard was that by the year 2000, there will be 85% of the people in the world living in urban situations. And this has all been happening under our eyes in your lifetime and in mine. The change is terrific. And again, it's going to mean a change in strategy. There are 12 cities now in the world over 5 million. 
You know the largest city in the world is Mexico City with over 18 million and the projection is that by the end of this century there'll be over 30 million people in that one city. I was talking to Ben Wati in India. He was the secretary of the uh, Evangelical Fellowship of India. He said it's by no means impossible that by the end of the century there will be 20 cities of 20 million and over in India. Here are these vast changes that are taking place in our day. And uh, we've got to be prepared to adopt methods that will be most helpful in reaching these people. The missionary and the missionary society no longer dominate the scene in countries where the national church is maturing. Or there are many places in which the missionary has to take the initiative has to do the evangelizing and planting of churches and nurturing the churches. There's still plenty of those. But there are many countries in which the church is maturing. And in those countries, it is the national leader who says who, when, where, and how long. And no longer the missionary society is able to do it. That's not so everywhere by any means, but that is the, the picture that is increasingly taking place. And it's no easy task for the missionary. The missionary has to be really humble. The missionary has to be willing to have a low profile. He needs to be willing to be a servant, everybody's slave. That's, that's the Lord's description of a missionary, everybody's slave. Well, that's a difficult prospect, isn't it? But thank God the final assault on the powers of the gates of Hades, the final assault is not left entirely to us Western missionaries. The feet of those who are going to take the gospel in that final assault are not all white. And that's a wonderful thing. The maturing church in many lands is a tremendous encouragement. In, quite a, quite, in many countries now, there are graduate schools where young people who have done their ordinary university course are able to take training for the Lord's work and for missions. Uh, I went to the China Graduate School of Theology in, in Hong Kong, and they had, I, when I went there, there were 140 graduates there. The Asia Training Seminary in uh, Manila with 200 or more, the China Evangelical Seminary in Taiwan. Here are these places that are springing up to give a, a good training for missionary work and for the work of the pastorate in these countries. Very able theologians are developing in these lands. I received a copy of the East Asia Journal of Theology a while ago and I looked down the table of contents, 20 articles, every one of them written by a third world theologian. And as I read them, they would have been worthy of place in any Western theological journal. God is raising up gifted and godly leadership in these countries. And that's one change that we, uh, we should rejoice in and thank God for. And you know too that Many of the great churches are not in our Western lands, but they're in Eastern lands. 
Well, everybody knows about the church in Seoul with over a quarter of a million people. You know that the second largest church is in Santiago in Latin America, 80,000. Here, the movement of the Spirit of God is great and very encouraging, and these churches are growing in maturity. But there are so few compared with the vast numbers who are to be reached. The third world missionary movement is another tremendously encouraging thing. Why? I think it must have been 20 years ago, the students in the university in Singapore were having a retreat and they asked me on the last night if I would give a missionary message. They said, you know, we never hear a missionary message. We're a mission field. We're not, not, we don't hear missionary messages. So I, I gave them a, an overview of missions. But I didn't expect what followed. When the meeting was over, 15 young people came up to me and they said, we want to become missionaries. How do we go about it? Well, there was no, in the churches there, there was no provision for anybody. They weren't expecting anybody to be missionaries. They were a mission, mission field. Well, I gave them some advice. During the week, I heard a doc knock at my door and I opened the door and there spilling down the stairs were 15 young people. They said, we want to hear more about how we can become missionaries. So I took them in and spent the evening with them. And then we turned on a conference for them, missionary conference. They never had a missionary conference. We had 10 sessions a day. You think you're being hard work just now. <laughs> 10 sessions a day. And they were avid. And you know, and quite a number of those 15 are missionaries today. I saw the same thing happen in Japan. We had meetings to stimulate missionary interest in the churches in Japan. And after the closing night, a hundred young men and young women came forward to offer their lives for cross-cultural missionary work. Today, there are throughout the world more than 20,000 cross-cultural missionaries from third world countries. And they are, the, the recruitment is increasing by 15% a year among third world countries. They are getting the vision whereas we are not being responsive to the vision in many of our countries today. One startling change is the resurgence of Islam. We were born into a world where Christianity moved out in to challenge rival faiths. But what's happening today? Rival faiths are moving into the heartland of Christianity. Did you read in the paper only two days ago about the man who was speaking about encouraging the, the Muslims to work so that they would have 50, 50 million Muslims in America? In Britain, there are 250 mosques. Here, Islam is moving into the heartlands of Christianity. And Lilius Trotter, who was a very noted missionary in North Africa, many years ago, she said, how tragic that today five times the Muslim call to prayer has sounded in Bethlehem while no one has ever preached the gospel in Mecca. Oh, that's a challenge, isn't it? I don't know if that's true today. I think it probably is. It was true then. 
Yes, they've invaded Bethlehem, but we haven't captured Mecca. Temple Gardner, who was a great missionary in Egypt, he made this startling statement. He said, Islam is the only great religion to come after Christianity. It is the only religion that categorically denies the truth of Christianity. It's the only religion which in the past has signally defeated Christianity. It is the only religion which in many lands is gaining on and superseding Christianity. Well, thank God that's not altogether true now. I, I read that south of the Sahara, Christianity is progressing twice as fast as Islam. But you know, there are very nearly as many Muslims in the world today as there are Christians. And that is one of the tremendous challenges that comes to the Christian church. Then the most encouraging feature of change is the rise of responsive populations all around the world. Christ is building his church on the battlefield. And many, many are coming to worship at the feet of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank God for what's happening in so many countries. When I went to Singapore, my, my first visit there was about 40 years ago. There were very few churches and certainly very few evangelical churches. But what's the situation today? 60% of the doctors in Singapore are Christian. 40% of the school teachers in Singapore are Christian. 30% of the university professors in Singapore are Christian. 35% of college and university students in Singapore are Christian. I doubt whether you could produce figures like that in America in any city, but there God is moving and Singapore is becoming a great center for the dissemination of the gospel throughout the world. How wonderful, how encouraging it is to see that in spite of all the changes that are taking place, the great ingathering is going on and gathering momentum. That's why we must step in and not lose the momentum that the Spirit of God is creating in these places. One other change is this, that there is more opportunity for old people, older people, to go to the mission field than, than there has been in the past. They're saying in some countries, send us more mature people. Don't send us only young people who gain all their experience at our expense. Send us some who've, who've got to, had, had the experience and we can gain our experience at their expense. Well, that's, that's fair, isn't it? Well, there is, there is room for more older people and it's amazing what God has done. If I may make a personal reference, I was 40, 52 when I reached the mission field. My wife had her 50th birthday the night we left. There is room on the mission field for older people. I was conducting a, a conference at uh, Mount Hermon Conference Center many years ago, and I spoke on Caleb. And I pointed out that Caleb achieved his greatest victory after he was 85. I'm not yet 85. <laughs> but I was there again four years afterwards. And an elderly lady came up to me. She said, you don't know me, 
But do you remember speaking on Caleb when you were here last time? I said, oh yes, I remember. She said, well, God spoke to me that night. When I went home, I prayed over it. I thought, now, you're 70 years old, you're in good health, you're financially independent, you've got no ties. Why shouldn't God have something for you to do in your later years that would significantly help forward the gospel? She said, do you know what I've been doing? No. She said, I've been a missionary in Brazil and I've had the most wonderful three years in my life. And she was enthusing about her years in Brazil. Well, I suppose it was eight years afterwards, I was in Papua New Guinea and I was addressing the missionaries, the Wycliffe missionaries there. And I told the story of this lady, Mrs. K, I'll call her. And when I finished, I walked out the door and one of the men said to me, was that Mrs. K you were talking about? I said, yes, why did you know her? Did we know her? He said, after you saw her, she came out here to Papua New Guinea. He, he said, she, she's been on the staff of our high school for missionaries' children. And she was the most popular teacher on the staff. She do Indian wrestling with the boys and they do anything for her. He said, she's gone, she's, she's 82 now. She said, he said, she's gone back to America, but he says she's still going strong. Well, a year or two afterwards, I was at Prairie Bible Institute and I told the story of this lady. And uh, when I'd finished my story, there was a lady waiting me at the steps in the bottom. She said, you haven't heard the end of the story. I said, oh, what's the end of the story? She said, well, I'm with Child Evangelism Fellowship and we conduct many camps for children. And Mrs. K comes along, she brings her curios from New Guinea and from Brazil and she talks to the children, and the children love her. I don't know whether I'll find somebody waiting me at the bottom of the steps. <laughs> but how wonderful. You know, my young brothers and sisters, if an old lady could do that for Christ's sake, what could you do for Christ's sake? And some who are older, maybe God has something for you that would be a tremendous surprise, something that would make the end of your life the most wonderful period of all. Well, there are the changes. And what changes there are? They've changed the whole face of missions. But the task is just the same. The message is just the same. The commission is just the same. The power of the Holy Spirit is just the same. The missing factor is men, women, filled with the Spirit, totally abandoned to Christ for the evangelization of the world. Change and decay in all around I see. O oh, thou who changest not, abide with me. You've been listening to the Today in the Word radio podcast and a message J. Oswald Sanders presented at MBI Missions Conference 1987. J. Oswald Sanders was General Director of Overseas Missionary Fellowship and the author of more than 40 books on the Christian life. Audio copies of this and many other messages from the podcast are available at moodyaudio.com. Today in the Word radio is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of the Moody Bible Institute.